Welcome to the Truth For Today podcast with your host, Joseph Franta, international minister, speaker, and Bible school instructor. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, hello, we're back again with another Truth For Today podcast. Uh, We finished up the book of Ephesians, and uh, now we're gonna start a new study on the book of Galatians, which is a tremendous letter of Paul. Uh, It talks all about freedom in Christ and justification and talks about how to walk in the Spirit, talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, living a life that produces fruit. I think that's very important for every Christian that our life is producing fruit. And Jesus said, uh, you did not uh, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So I know that the fruit-bearing part of the Christian life is very important and strategic and it has tremendous weight and value with God because that fruit can go on and remain for generations after you pass on. So today we're gonna start with this book. Uh, It is a tremendous book. When I first studied this book uh, years ago, uh, I was actually a pretty young believer and it helped me to get free of legalism and uh, religious uh, formalism and it showed me the life of freedom that Christ had uh, provided for me through his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, it also talks a lot about the calling of God and uh, how important it is that we understand that uh, we have a call from God. So uh, today, we're going to start with this book, and I'm going to just start in verse 1. The letter of Paul to the Galatians. Paul, an apostle of not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So here Paul is giving his credentials. He often does this at the beginning of his letters and uh, to uh, basically satisfy uh, people's need to see who he is, uh, what gave him his authority and uh, his gifting, his apostleship, So the first thing Paul says is, Paul, an apostle. And then he qualifies it and says, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man. Now, no matter what call you have on your life, you did not get it from men. Men may have confirmed your call by laying hands on you, but the call is a heavenly call, according to Hebrews 3.1, the heavenly calling and it comes from God, it's a, it's a divine call that God places on people's lives for ministry, for divine purpose, and to fulfill God's divine plan. So Paul here says, he's not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, it wasn't a missions organization that uh, deemed him an apostle, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So he received this call directly from 
God the Father, and from Jesus Christ. And you can see that played out in the book of Acts, chapter 9, when Christ appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. And uh, his call is defined there very strategically and in great, in great detail about what he was called to do. I'm not going to go into that right now, but I'm going to go to verse 2. And all the brethren who are with me, you see, there was an entourage that followed Paul. Uh, there were people that <clears throat> he was training for ministry. He was teaching them. They were learning his lifestyle. They were learning to follow his example. And uh, he was imparting to them uh, the apostolic anointing uh, the whole time that they were with him. And many of these became great uh, pioneers in the early church, like Timothy and Titus and Erastus and many others. Even Apollos was really, in a sense, a disciple of Paul. So we have many others that are listed in Romans 16, a whole list of them uh, that followed his teaching and uh, gleaned from his ministry and uh, took uh, great, uh, I don't know how to, great grace from his ministry. And so he's speaking to the churches, plural, of Galatia. So this was probably a circular letter to some of the churches in Asia Minor that were in this Galatian region. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He always likes to start his letters with grace and peace, wishing them God's best, God's highest, and also that they would have great peace with God. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us or deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So he talks about this present evil age in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, when he talks about the evil day. He calls it an evil day. Uh, obviously, he was talking about a generation where evil was uh, quite prevalent uh, in the Roman Empire. And uh, there was every kind of uh, corruption and sin going on. And so he makes mention of it here, but not in great detail. And he's talking about Jesus, and he always did preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us or deliver us from this present evil age or evil world at that time, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen, or forevermore. So he comes with a very strong uh, word about his apostleship, who he received it from, that it was divine, it was a divine uh, 
impartation from God the Father and God the Son uh, through the Holy Spirit. Now in verse 6, he starts to address some of the problems in this area. And there was a perversion of the gospel being taught at this time. And he was addressing this perversion of the gospel. And I might add this, that this was something that was not just relegated to his time period, his lifetime, but we see it in every church, uh, in, this, in every church, uh, on every continent, that they are having to stand up against false teachings, false doctrines, and uh, false teachers. And Paul has a very strong word uh, for the Galatian church who began to uh, waver in their faith in Christ, and they began to uh, be affected by these winds of doctrine that were pressing upon their churches uh, to get them to go back into uh, religious formalism or Judaism. And uh, so he was addressing this uh, in no uncertain terms, in very black and white, uh, in a very black and white way or manner. <coughs> Excuse me. So we're going to go on here, and, and uh, he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. The gospel is the grace of God, by the way, for a different gospel. Now, any, any gospel that is not uh, the gospel of the grace of God as uh, preached by Paul uh, and mentioned by him in numerous places in the New Testament in practically every letter he wrote. We know that it's a divergence from the true gospel. Paul said, but uh, in, in Galatians, I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Acts 20, 24, Paul, Paul mentioned that uh, none of the things that assailed him moved him, or he said uh, that he was not affected by winds of doctrine or false teachings in the sense of he was not moved off the true gospel. I'd like to turn there for just a minute because I, I want you to see this. It's very important because once you get moved off of God's grace, uh, the power of God will not operate through your church or ministry. Your church will become very legalistic and uh, it'll be more like pleasing men than pleasing God. And uh, it will not be a place where the Spirit of God is allowed to have freedom to move. In Acts 20, 24, Paul said, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I might finish my course... We're in the day of finishing. In fact, the present generation we live in, we're the finishers. Uh, we're in the end of the church age. So that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So, Paul's gospel was a gospel of grace, unmerited favor, unearned, unmerited, 
favor of God, where God freely gives salvation to all those that have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of Paul. Uh, I might want to add one more in the book of Romans. Let's add one more uh, confirmation of this. In Romans chapter 16, I believe it is, verse 25, well, let's start in verse 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. So Paul owned the gospel he preached. He owned it. He called it his gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, he said, it's not I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was Christ in you, the hope of glory, which has been kept secret from long ages past. It was never revealed in the Old Testament. Uh, the mystery of Christ was never revealed in the Old Testament. It finds its revelation in the epistles of Paul and in the New Testament. Verse 26, but now is manifest, this mystery, the revelation of the mystery of Christ is now manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul mentions here the mystery of the revelation that God gave him. Paul had many revelations, but one of the greatest was Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1.27. He also had the revelation of the church, the glorious church in Ephesians chapter 5. He had the revelation of identification with Christ in Ephesians chapter 1 and all through the book of Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, and other places, Thessalonians. Uh, the books of uh, Thessalonians. So he had many, many revelations that uh, were very important for the church to walk in, live in, and function in. These were giving them their position, their function in the church. He had the revelation of the five-fold ministry offices. He had the revelation of in Christ, what it meant to be in Christ, what it meant to be a joint heir or an equal heir with Jesus Christ, what it meant to share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ here on this earth and hereafter. No wonder there was a target on Paul's back because of the revelations he carried, it says that there was a messenger of Satan sent to him to buffet him because of these revelations. At least he exalt himself, although it wasn't talking about pride, but that the revelations themselves would be exalted and that people would see 
Christ in them the hope of glory. The devil was perfectly content with people being religious. They were no threat to him. But when people are free from religious rituals, traditions, and formalism, they become a very real threat to Satan and his kingdom. So let's go back in Galatians uh, chapter 1 here, and uh, I think you'll see some things maybe that will help your walk with Jesus. First of all, Paul says he's not here to please men, and that he was an apostle of Christ, but he wasn't sent to please men. And so I'm going to go on here in verse 6. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him, meaning Jesus, who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel or another gospel, which is really not another. I like that little phrase, another gospel, which is really not another. In other words, there's only one gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not the gospel of, you know, the full gospel and the gospel of uh, the evangelicals and the gospel of the Catholics and the gospel of the this and that group. No, there's only one gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here he says, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now this certainly is a... Uh, a big word here, distort. In other words, they want to take the clarity of the gospel and bring in uh, some gray areas, some confusion, so that people cannot walk in the power of the gospel. So remember <clears throat> that Paul in Romans 1.16 says the, the gospel is the power of God. So if you can confuse people about what the gospel is, then uh, the power of God is certainly distorted or diminished. And uh, people no longer see the gospel as the power of God. In fact, in many churches today, there is no power. There is no manifestation of the Spirit of God, nor the gifts of God, uh, nor of the office ministry gifts of God. According to many churches today, there is only one office, and that's the office of the pastor. And praise God for the pastors. We love the pastors, but there's other offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and they're all given for the work of the ministry, to edify the church, for the, to do the work of the ministry. They all carry different functions, giftings, anointings, and graces that are necessary for the church to grow up in all aspects into Christ. So praise God. We need to have every ministry, every ministry gift functioning in the church. That doesn't mean every church has to have every ministry office. No, I'm not saying that. God has placed the pastors in the church as the leaders. They're the ones that guide the church. 
But I'm saying there's other offices that the church needs uh, to awaken them to their their uh, purpose and to show them revelation of God's plan, God's path for their life. And, and they bring different equippings. Every ministry gift brings different equippings, and they're not all the same. So they all add to what God's already doing in the local church. Now, Paul in verse 8 says, But even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed, or the, word, the Greek word is anathema. Uh, that is like really strong. In other words, if they're preaching any other gospel than God authored to be preached by the Spirit of God, uh, they're misleading the body of Christ. And once you get off on a, uh, once you get off the path, so to speak, onto another path, uh, you're going to waste a lot of time and maybe waste people's lives on uh, holding fast to doctrines that uh, are not New Testament doctrines. Uh, verse 9, as we have said before, and as I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. My goodness, he says it again. How strong is this? Um, you know, Paul is saying this, is, this has to be stopped. Verse 9. Verse 10, for now, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Now, let me just stop here for a minute because the man-pleasing spirit in the body of Christ is very strong. And uh, this comes through denominational hierarchies and, uh, you know, church organizations to where you have to please men more than God. And it creates a favoritism in the church. And it also creates, uh, I don't know, cliques or, you know, it, it, it just isn't God. It isn't God. And so he says here, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now hear me now in this, because this is very important, that we are ministers of God first, and that our first aim is to be pleasing to God in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in their knowledge of God. And let me say this, if, if someone in the ministry is doing it for any other reason than to serve Christ, they have the wrong motive. 
or if they're uh, doing things just for an offering, it's the wrong motive. We should never, ever be, ever preach for an offering. We preach because the Spirit of God sends us, gives us, deposits in us the message, and we deliver what God is saying to the people. Now, this may seem new to some of you, but it's really not new. It's been in the Bible, the New Testament, for 2,000 years that we are to please God. Peter said it in the book of Acts when they were told to quit preaching Jesus. He said, you judge whether it's better to obey you, meaning man, or God. Should we obey man over God? Many of the revivals would never have happened if people obeyed man over God. I'm thinking of the Wesley brothers as one in point. Charles and John Wesley were kicked out of their church group and held outdoor meetings where the Spirit of God fell and many people were filled with the Spirit and healed. Jonathan Edwards was the same. D.L. Moody was the same. And one of my mentors, Kenneth E. Hagan, was given the left foot of fellowship out of a certain denomination. So we need to understand that God is going to choose people to preach his gospel. And he's going to anoint them and equip them to do so. And he's going to place them in an office, a ministry office, or a ministry grace to accomplish what he wants. Today, we need to speak as ministers what God is saying to the people, not what the people necessarily want to hear, not what's going to be pleasing to everyone, but we need to preach the word that God gives to us. And when we do, God always confirms it with signs, wonders, and miracles. In other words, he confirms it with his presence. And if you're just sitting in church Sunday after Sunday and the messages that you hear are not being confirmed by the mighty presence of God, you need to pray for your pastor that he gets a hold of what God's saying because God's moving in a very powerful and swift way in this hour. It's an hour of preparation. It's an hour of readiness to finish our course. And we don't have a long time. We don't have a years and years like we did a couple decades ago. Jesus is coming back. So let me try to get a little bit further here. For am I now seeking the favor of men? If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. I'm sorry. Let me go over that again. For I am, 
For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Didn't get it from man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to stop here for just a minute. There are those listening today, you have a call of God on your life. You even know it, or some of you feel it at times. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're not sanctioned by any group. Maybe you're not approved by man. But I'll tell you this, if God has put a call on your life, you're approved of God. I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. If you have a call of God on your life, that you will become more and more aware of it. That you will sense it, perceive it, and see it by revelation of the Spirit of God. And that you will begin to pursue it as led by the Spirit of God. And that you will take steps in the direction of what God has appointed you to do on this earth. And God's provision, His mighty presence will be with you and will make a way where there is no way. Thank you for listening today, the truth for today, and we'll be back with more of the book of Galatians. Have a great day. Bye-bye.